what I'd like to speak on today to remind us of some things. King David writes in Psalm 11:3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And as you read that entire Psalm, Psalm 11, uh, he talks about basically saying that some would say, well, just flee like a bird to your mountain. In other words, just run from it, just go into hiding. But David says, how can I say to, to my soul to do that? And as you read that Psalm, he is implying that we need to take a stand for God and for his word, even when there are those who try to tear down the foundations around us of his word. And we need to remember that God is sovereign over it all. And so we need to make sure that we are on his side and doing things his way. And so at a time when many in our country are uh, pointing out the flaws of our founding fathers and questioning their motives and trying to even eradicate the history of our nation because it offends them, certain parts of it or they don't like it, we need to remember our nation's history so that we can learn from it. We need to learn from our mistakes, but also remember the good things that God has done and is doing in our country so that we can continue to work in those areas. And we all know the founders of our country were not perfect because none of us are. We're all sinners who have fallen short of God's glory. So they were fallible and they were flawed, but they were united for a common cause of the belief that included freedom and freedom of religious expression and freedom from cruel and oppressive government. And they were laying a foundation for us based on principles that they had learned from God's word. Now again, they weren't perfect people, but they looked at what God's word taught and what would be good for a foundation for a society, and they began to implement many of those things as they formed uh, the Constitution. And because of that promise of freedom and the religious liberty that they instituted, as the nation grew, many people fought for the freedom of slaves and to end slavery, even though there were many that had slaves and, and supported slavery. Because of the principles this country was founded on, there were many who began to fight for the freedoms of the slaves. And of course, we all know under the leadership of President Abraham Lincoln, who held Christian beliefs, slavery was ended in America uh, after um, the ratification of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. So you see, we can point out the flaws, but we also need to see the good things that this country is, has done. And that's what I want to encourage you with today as followers of Christ. We acknowledge that we're not perfect people, but we also acknowledge that Christ in us can help us to do good in this current culture and so we need to not cower back and run into hiding but we need to have courage to stand. We need to know what to stand for and who to kneel for. And I want you to think about this again with all the flaws that are being pointed out uh, in the news and in certain groups that are getting a lot of news coverage these days. The United States still provides more humanitarian aid to impoverished countries than any other country in the world. I did some research and in 2017, which is the, the most recent statistics we can get, but that's only been three years ago, in 2017 statistics reported on the globalcitizens.org website 
that the United States gave approximately $6.6 billion to humanitarian aid that year. It's the largest amount of any of the countries that gave. Now listen to the countries that the United States gave aid to. For those that say we're a racist nation and white supremacy and all of these things, the United States gave more humanitarian aid to these countries, and these were the countries that it was given to. Syria, Yemen, Iraq, Palestine, and South Sudan. So there are many that can throw these labels at us and try to call us things. It doesn't change the fact of what we're doing as a nation. And again, hear clearly what I'm saying. We are not a perfect nation. We have many flaws. But we also need to understand that as the influence of Christianity as part of the foundation of this nation, and as it has continued through the generations and through the years, it is making a difference in this country. And we need to continue that. We need to learn from past atrocities that have happened in this country, again, so we don't repeat those mistakes. If we try to eliminate those things so that people don't understand, um, then we're just gonna repeat the same mistakes. But again, we need to remember the good things of our past so that we can build on them for the future. We need to remember what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, verse 13, where he writes this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Now we all know this, every house, every structure, needs to have a good foundation for that structure to be stable. And it's the same way with a country or a culture. The foundation that that country or culture is built on must be a good foundation so that it can be stable and strong as it grows. And the foundation of this country was based on the word of God and his principles. Now, there were other people that were involved, but our founding fathers had that Christian faith. Again, they, like us, sometimes didn't carry it out in the way that they should, but that was the foundation, and because of that foundation, good things have been able to be built in this country. Jesus taught that the Word of God should be the foundation for our lives as his followers and, of course, as followers of God. It's a familiar passage, but Jesus speaks these words in Luke chapter six, verses 46 through 49. And I'm reading this today from a little bit different translation because for those of you that maybe heard it in the King James Version or New International Version or whatever, it becomes so familiar that maybe sometimes we, we just kinda don't really think about it. So this is from a translation called God's Word. Luke six forty-six through 49, Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord? and do not do what I say. Now stop and think about that because again, some of our founding fathers were guilty of that. They were Christians, they were uh, fighting for the cause of freedom and yet some of them had slavery, so that had slaves, so that seemed to be a double standard and it, and it was. But over time, people realized the wrongness of that and then slavery was able to be ended. It's easy, again, to point back and look at them, but what about in your life and in my life? Are there things that we know are wrong and we stand on them and yet we find ourselves guilty of doing them? 
And this is what Jesus is, is really pointing to all of us and saying, look, take this seriously. Why do you call me Lord and do not do the things that I tell you? I will tell you what everyone who comes to, I will show you what everyone who comes to me, hears what I say and obeys me is like. He's like a person who dug down to bedrock to lay the foundation of his home. And when the flood came and the floodwaters pushed against that house, uh, but the house couldn't be washed away because it had a good foundation. We are faced right now with an inundating flood of lawlessness and unrighteousness that is trying to sweep across this nation it's trying to sweep across our homes and our family structures. It's trying to sweep against the church. And so we need to make sure that as followers of Christ, we're not going to cave in and accept some of the principles and the foundational things of other people and replace it with the foundation of God's word. We need to remember the foundation that we are building on and it's Jesus Christ and his teachings alone. And that means that other teachings that seem to be popular right now and other forms of structures that seem to be popular right now are not the ones that are going to stand the test of time. And they're certainly not going to stand before God. Jesus goes on and he says, the person who hears what I say but doesn't obey it is like someone who built a house on the ground without any foundation. The floodwaters pushed against it, and that house quickly collapsed and was destroyed. We need to be careful in the church today because I'm troubled with many of the challenges of lawlessness and unrighteousness and teachings right now that go strictly opposed to what the Bible says is sin and people are saying, no, it's not sin, just like the young lady that was surprised to hear that she had sinned. She did, wasn't even aware that she was a sinner. There's many people in this world that think there's absolutely nothing wrong with them, but they'll be quick to point out what's wrong with everyone else. And the fact is, we are all sinners. So as this flood of unrighteousness is coming in, if we in the church don't stand on those foundational principles, if we cave in and begin to accept the norms that this culture is trying to place upon us as our norms, we're absolutely going to not only lose our effectiveness, but we will fall. We will fall as professing believers. We will fall as a nation so this is a call to stand in the midst of a time when many people are just wanting to cover up and isolate and shell themselves in. We need to make sure that we're standing on the word of God. It's what Christ has called us to do. Jesus warned there would come a time in this world when the foundations will be tested. Listen to his words in Matthew chapter 24, verses 7 through 14. This was not something that was spoken that was going to happen in the, well, it was going to happen in the future, but what I'm saying is these words that he spoke then are things that happen really in every generation, and it was a warning to all of us in every generation to watch and to pray and to be careful about these things. But ultimately, before Christ returns, we're going to see these things more and more happen with more and more frequency, just like a woman who is about to deliver a child. The birth pangs start out slow, 
And then when it gets closer to the time of delivery, they get more intense, they get closer together until the child is born. And Jesus says, this is what's going to happen in the world prior to my return. It's always going to be happening between the time that he left and the time that he comes back. But when it gets closer to the time, like those birth pains, they're gonna happen more intensely, more frequently. Now listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses seven through 14. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, what does he mean by kingdom and kingdom? Because he says nation against nation. Well, you know, there are kingdoms that may not be aligned uh, like politically and don't identify themselves as a nation, but they are a kingdom, a kingdom of principles, a kingdom of mindsets. And right now we absolutely see kingdoms of culture fighting against other kingdoms of culture. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. I said this a few years ago, but as they've been able to put up their seismographs and all the ways that they can test for earthquakes, it is a scientific fact that earthquakes are happening right now with more frequency than they have in the past, even in the past hundred years since they started measuring earthquakes and they're happening with a higher intensity. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said this would, this would happen and it would be one of the signs. All these are but the beginning of birth pains, Jesus says. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. Do you understand that Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world to this very day? It's not something that happened back in ancient Rome when they threw the Christians uh, before the lions in the Colosseum. We always think that that was the most terrible time of persecution. No, there are more Christians being imprisoned, persecuted, put to death, simply because they believe in Jesus and want to follow him than any other religion in the world. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Why is it in this country, in America, that you don't hear the outrage against Islam or against other religions, but Christians seem to be targeted? It's because Jesus said this would happen, and I believe it's because it's true, and Christianity is true, and Jesus is the truth, and that's why we're being targeted, because Satan and those who without even realizing it, align themselves with Satan's way of thinking and his opposition to God, well, certainly he's gonna target Christians because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. And as a world who is opposed to truth, then they're going to oppose Christ and any of us as followers of Christ. So it shouldn't surprise us that these things come. And then Jesus says this, and then many will fall away. We have seen many professing Christians, even pastors, fall away. I've read articles about pastors who have walked away from the pulpit. They walked away from their ministry. Some of them have even denied the faith. They become atheists. Hard for me to imagine, but this is what Jesus said would happen. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. We are seeing so much hatred in the world today. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Did you ever believe that you would be living in a country, in America, where there would be these movements that are being elevated to defund the police? 
If that isn't highlighting lawlessness, I don't know what is. We've seen what's happened in Seattle and what was allowed to take place until there was utter chaos and then the mayor there had to have the police come in and do their job, let them do their job. There are those who have defunded the police departments where they are at or um, have said that that should happen and they hire personal security guards. Does that even make sense? What do you think is going to happen if we defund the police in an area now just think, if you were a criminal, if you were someone who wanted to go into an area and build your kingdom and build your criminal uh, business, you're gonna look for the place that has no police, where the police department's being defunded and they're discouraged and they're quitting. That's the area you're gonna move into. To me, this is foolishness. Now others would look at me and say, I'm the fool, that's okay. But defunding the police is absolutely foolishness and it's evidence again of what Jesus said that lawlessness is going to increase in the world. Lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold. We see the love of many growing cold in our culture. We see it even in our churches. This is why our mission statement here at Porterfield, our vision statement is to remind us all of what Christ has called us to do and we're to love one another, but we're also to love those outside. And so everything that I'm saying to you today, though I may be speaking a little bit more passionately, I want you to understand that I'm speaking it in love because the truth needs to be told and it needs to be stood upon and we need to reach out in love. Jesus did that even as they were spitting in his face calling him a liar when he said he was the son of God, nailing him to a cross, and he hung on the cross and he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We are called to love one another and to even love those who are different than us, but that doesn't mean that we have to give in to everything they tell us to do. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Church, you need to hear this. For those of you that are discouraged right now and almost ready to give up your faith or think, what good am I doing in this world? I'm just gonna live my life. I'm gonna just take care of my family or my few loved ones and I'm just not even gonna get involved anymore. I'm gonna quit voting. I'm gonna quit doing all of this stuff. Jesus says, he who endures to the end will be saved. You need to endure. You need to persevere. And listen to what else though that Jesus said. Here's the hope in the midst of all this. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Thank you, Kathy, for taking the gospel to Thailand. Thank you for all of the missionaries that we support that are taking the gospel to their parts of the world. I got a text from another one of my Filipino brothers in Christ uh, texted me this week on the 4th of July, our, the day we celebrate our independence and he sent a text to me saying happy 4th of July Pastor Mark God bless you God bless your country that touched my heart he's a brother in Christ he's a different skin color a different ethnicity but he, he loves America and he loves Christ and he knows that we're in a partnership in the gospel so in our eagerness to fight for a cause, let's make sure that we know what cause we are fighting for. Guard against causes that oppose what Jesus and God's word teach. Here's the definition of a cause, a person or a thing that gives rise to an action, phenomenon, or movement for which one is prepared to defend or advocate. 
And one of the things that I need to address today, one of the social justice causes that has risen in the last four years is Black Lives Matter. The Black Lives Matter movement. Now hear me clearly before I even go into the Black Lives Matter movement because I think many people are eager to support this because of what the statement says. Black lives do matter, they absolutely do. Jesus loves us all. And when you begin to look at the Black Lives Matter movement, it seems to be a cause that simply is wanting to elevate and protect black people in America and around the world. But, and I want, you to, I want you to know this before I go on. I have friends who are African-American, or I'll say it, they're black. I have grandchildren who are of mixed ethnicity. I love them. I love them dearly. I love them all the same. I have friends who are black. I love them. So if somebody wants to call me a racist for what I'm about to say, then just bring it on because I'm going to try to prove by my lifestyle that I'm not. But this has to be addressed. We're seeing BLM and Black Lives Matter everywhere and people are so afraid to speak out against us because they're afraid they're gonna be called a racist. We know people could call us whatever they wanna call us, but it doesn't mean it's true. So from the homepage of their own website, the Black Lives Matter website, and I would actually encourage you to go there and to check it out. Look at the menu, and at the menu at the top, it will say, one of the selections is about, and that's what you click on to learn about an organization. And you click on about, and then there's a selection that drops down, and they'll have a little section that says, what we believe. What we believe, that's their foundation. And they're telling us all, not really openly, because all we hear about is Black Lives Matter, but we don't know the undercurrent. That's the mask they wear to be accepted. But as you begin to read, it starts out and it sounds really good that they are for African Americans or just black people around the world, not just African American, black people. But as you go on down several paragraphs, let me read to you what their beliefs are. We are self-reflexive, and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk. Now, you know, some of you read that, hear that, and like, what's that mean? Okay, dismantle cisgender privilege. What is cisgender? Cisgender is denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender responds with their birth sex. If you're born with male plumbing, you are a male. And if you're born with female plumbing, you're a female. That's the belief that they're trying to dismantle. They want to dismantle cisgender privilege. What is cisgender privilege? You can look this definition up. Cisgender privilege is the act of privileging or preferring male-female relationships and sexuality over same-sex relationships. Do you hear what I'm saying? Black Lives Matter, as one of their foundational principles, wants to dismantle the way that societies have existed for centuries to procreate and have children. And their goal is to dismantle that. 
They not only want to say, let's accept those who have different sexuality and, and be tolerant. No, they want to elevate it to a point to where if you believe that you have male plumbing and you're calling yourself a male, that somehow you're just really weird. They're going to dismantle all of that. In other words, what the Bible and societies have held as normal and foundational and necessary to procreate the human species, including black, white, Asian, whatever, they want to dismantle that. The Black Lives Matter belief statement goes on to say this, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure Requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Did you notice they didn't use the word fathers in there? Listen to it again. The Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. That way we can teach your kids what we want them to learn and there's no real place for having the, the dads to be this patriarch in the family that would try to lead. No, that's an old structure and that's what's led to all the problems and ills in the world. That's what they're implying. And we will collectively care for one another, especially our children to the degree that mothers Parents and children are comfortable. It goes on. If you go a few paragraphs on down, we foster a queer affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual, unless she, he, or they disclose otherwise. And then they conclude what we believe with this statement. We embody and practice justice, liberation, and peace in our engagements with one another. Let their words speak for themselves. You decide whether you think that's a worthy foundation to build on and a cause that you want to support. So just be careful. Now, don't go on social media after hearing this message and beat people up because you'll just get people to close down, they'll just get angry. What I'm bringing this message to do is to pull the mask off and expose what Black Lives Matter really stands for. And what you and I need to do is just simply do this. Here's all you have to do. If somebody gets on there and starts talking on social media or whatever about Black Lives Matter, don't say, well, Pastor Mark brought a message, blah, blah, blah. Just say, I challenge you to go to their website and read their own statement on what they believe and see if you agree with that and tell them to read it all the way through down to the end and then have them get back with you. And if they read all that and they're in total agreement with it, well, you know, then that's, that's their belief and they're showing their foundation. But I'm saying as a follower of Christ, there's no way that I could support that organization, though I support black people, I support people of other ethnicities because in, in Christ, we all need Christ, we all need to be forgiven and we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So I am against racism, but I am also against sin. I'm against sin in my own life 
and I'm against sin in the lives of others, not because I don't like them, but because I know what sin does to a person and to a culture and a society. And that's why Christ came and gave us a cause that we should follow, Christ's cause. So I'm going to wrap this up by just reminding us very quickly of what we need to do if we're going to follow the cause of Christ. And his cause should be above all other causes. Jesus gave us that cause. Actually, in Acts 1.8, there's a couple of passages that I will share with you. But listen to what he says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So our cause as followers of Christ is to be his witnesses. Are you being a witness for Christ? A witness speaks up. A witness gives evidence of what they've experienced in their life. Jesus said that all lives matter to him. I know that really irritates some people. Like if you even say, well, I know black lives matter, but all lives matter. There's some people that just get irate over that. But Jesus himself said that all lives matter to him. In fact, John 3, 16, he says this, for God so loved the world, the people of the world. That means all lives, no matter your ethnicity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, listen to this, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Jesus didn't have to come into the world to condemn people. We were already condemned. Every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, we are condemned before a holy and righteous God because we absolutely are not, no matter what our opinion of ourselves are, our overly inflated opinion of ourselves, we are condemned before a holy and righteous God. But here's the good news. He loves us, and he doesn't want us to stay condemned, and that's why he came into the world that he created through his son, Jesus Christ, and that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. You're already condemned. I came to save you. But now listen to what Jesus goes on to say because it's very evident of what's happening in the world today. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world, Christ, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People who don't come to Jesus, whether they realize it or not, they are loving their condemnation, they're loving their darkness, and it's what prevents them to come to the light of Jesus. Now listen to Jesus' own words as he goes on. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. What we hear in the world today is, well, that's not a sin. I know the Bible says it, but that's not a sin. And you're normal if you do this. And so they don't want to come to the light because they don't want to be exposed and they won't admit that they are sinners or they're doing sinful things. Jesus goes on and he says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been created out in God. 
I stand before you today and I say, as your pastor, I'm a sinner. And I hate sin in my life. But it's not my desire to follow that sin. I admit it. I ask God to forgive me of it. And every day I'm, I'm attempting to live a life of repentance. Repentance is not a one-time act that you did a long time ago that you said a little prayer and then you went on and lived life the way you want. Repentance is a lifestyle. Repentance is an everyday act. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. If you're not waking up this morning or right now wanting to live a repentant life, you're in trouble. We've got to continue to have humility before God and trust his forgiveness. Jesus Christ's cause requires repentance. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How about you? Are are you willing to confess sin in your life? How do I know what's sin in my life? Read the Bible. Read the teachings of Jesus. Jesus said, he who hears my words and puts them into practice is like one who builds a foundation on the rock. And when the unrighteous flood comes, you'll be able to stand. But if you're gonna constantly flip back and forth and change your mind and say, well, I know the Bible says this, but everybody says this, and this is popular, and I don't wanna be unliked, and and I wanna have a lot of likes on my social media, so I'm gonna go with the crowd. You're gonna fall. Christ's cause requires commitment. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus came near, he spoke to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them, teach them to do everything I have commanded you. Are you doing it? Are you living the Christian life? When the Bible says something is sin and you're doing it in your life, are you asking God to forgive you and helping you to not do that anymore? Or are you just continuing in your sin? Teach them to do everything I've commanded you and remember that I'm with you always, even to the end of time. Jesus' cause requires personal sacrifice. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Oh, we don't hear much of that today, do we? We hear indulge yourself. You're worth it. You deserve a break today. Listen to advertising. They always want to sell you something and they're telling you, you deserve this. This is why you should have it. You deserve it. But Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he has to deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. The cross is a symbol of suffering and death and hardship. But Christ's cause is worth it. Jesus says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a person if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man or a person give in exchange for their soul? I believe today, and I'm sad to say it, that many are forfeiting their soul, fighting for causes that are not the cause of Christ. They're forfeiting their soul for fighting for causes, even as a Christian, that they think may be good, and it's undermining the very gospel and the very foundation that this country was built on. When Jesus gave this warning and saying it would happen, he said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Proverbs 14, 34 says this, righteousness exalts a nation, 
but sin is a reproach to any people. It doesn't matter what culture, what ethnicity, what nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. You and I need to, to decide, first of all, as Christians, are we going to elevate sin and glorify it, or are we going to repent of it and speak out against it in love, sharing the gospel message, because the gospel message is this is why Jesus died, because we're all guilty of this, and he loves every single one of us. But if you come to Christ and you receive him as Savior, and you're willing to join Christ's cause, then you have to be a witness for him, you have to be repentant continually, a lifestyle of repentance, wanting to follow his word, put his teaching into practice, have a strong foundation in your life, teach it to others, stand up against unrighteousness, speak out against it, vote against it. If you're not registered to vote, I encourage you to register. And if you're not voting, you need to vote because we're blessed to live in a country where you have a voice and a say. And we also need to make sure that that voting process is protected. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I close with this, because we need to continue to persevere faithfully. Second Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes to him, and I'm just gonna take a couple of the passages that he warns Timothy about that are so relevant to us today. But understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. Oh my goodness, I could do a whole sermon on that. No matter what you do for some people, it will never be enough. Unappeasable slanderous, without self-control, brutal, chop in Seattle. That's not in there. I'm saying that's brutal. You got it. It's in there. It's just not apparent in there, but it's there. Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. Church, this is for you and I. This worries me. It worries me about my own self, having the appearance of godliness but denying the power. Are you denying the power of the gospel by keeping your mouth shut, by being afraid of what somebody's gonna think of you if you talk about Jesus? Are you denying the power by shrinking back and this is something that, that I've been struggling with. So I just want you to know, I'm there as well. I don't wanna shrink back. I wanna be able to continue to stand for the gospel and for Christ in this world when it's not, when it's not popular. And I don't wanna deny the power of God. Having appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Now, this, this troubles me too, if we're gonna be honest, because Christ called us to take the gospel everywhere and to share the gospel with everyone. And yet, the apostle Paul said, when you get around some people that are just so entrenched in all these things, it's just best if you just avoid them. Go to who is open to the gospel. Find people who are open. 
The Apostle Paul says this, and I am going to close with this, 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 15. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Would you stand? Lord, even as those who are here in this worship center are able to stand for a moment as we pray, remind us, Lord, that we need to be willing to stand upon your word and the gospel message and your teachings, Lord Jesus. Help us to recommit to your cause above all other causes. Help us to be your witnesses as we confess our sins and we repent. We ask you to forgive us and to help us to walk according to your ways. Help us to continue to learn your word and to put it into practice. Thank you for your great patience with us. Thank you for your forgiveness and mercy. Lord, help us to live a life of sacrificial love and service in the midst of all this as we follow you. And I pray that you'll use our witness our example through the power of your Holy Spirit working in us that we would not deny your power but we would stand on your word and and that we would see evidence of your word at work in the world around us that people would accept Christ the gospel will continue to go forth and help us to not grow weary in well-doing help us to faithfully persevere if there's one here today who is listening to this message and maybe you're making them aware for the first time that they need to throw away all other causes and to commit wholly to your cause. Help them right now in this moment to just call out to you, to admit their sin, to ask for forgiveness, to receive you as Savior, to commit their life to following you. Help us as your followers to, to walk alongside them, to teach. Help us as a pastoral staff and as, as teachers and as brothers and sisters in Christ, even through this pandemic, Lord, your, your word and your power and your spirit is so much greater than all of these things. So Lord, glorify yourself in and through this time as the church arises and as we as your believers arise and stand and help us to show that the foundation of your word is the truth. And it's the one that will help all people to stand as we trust in you. Thank you for our time together today and help us, Lord, to be committed to your cause in your name.